Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Chargers Podcast Network. My name is Steven and I'm the host as always and joining me is my guy Tyler. Tyler, what's up man? How are you enjoying your Monday off? Oh, it's pretty nice. Uh, I'm doing fantastic. We got a face melter of a defensive breakdown coming up for you guys. Yeah, we've been uh, watching draft prospects. So we've been watching a lot of the Michigan defense because there's like basically their entire defense is draftable this year. Um, but uh, had to get some real insight into the X's and O's here about the Jesse Minter defense because we like we were excited about it. But, uh, you know, getting an expert on here was definitely a high priority for us. So very excited to be joined by Cody Alexander today, one of the best in the business regarding defensive film. Um, you know, we always say like, check people out, but definitely, definitely check out Cody Alexander's work, um, unmatched defensive content. If you're into defensive film and breakdowns and things like that. So, um, appreciate Cody so much for, uh, jumping on and we'll get to that interview here in a second. First and foremost, Tyler and I are fans of the team, just like you guys are the opinions that we express on this show and every week on this show are just that they are our opinions and we're very grateful to have this platform. Uh, but the opinions that we share do not, do not always reflect the opinions of the Chargers organization themselves. So I'm um, really excited about this episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. We'll be back on the other side. With that being said, here is Cody Alexander. All right, guys. Uh, very happy to be joined now by Mr. Cody Alexander, one of the best in the business in breaking down X's and O's. Tyler and I have been retweeting his stuff nonstop about Jesse Minter. So really excited to have his thoughts here about the new Chargers defense and the direction that that unit is going to be headed towards in the near future. So Cody, uh, thanks so much for joining us, man. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're really excited about this. Um, Chargers fans, if you're not following Cody, I, I strongly encourage you to go do that. Um, he is the host, like I mentioned earlier, the host of the Art of X show. He's written six books about defense. So um, this is this is a fun one. I'm really excited about this. We've done some film breakdowns on the channel before. I'm excited to see how the, the Chargers content team here cuts it up. But Really excited about this first and foremost. I think, Cody, we'll just start in generalities here. Obviously, the Chargers hiring Jesse Minter. Um, you you did a few sub stacks about his defense in preparation for the national championship game. In general, your reaction to him making the jump with Jim Harbaugh, would you classify that as a, a, as a candidate likely to be successful? And kind of your, your thoughts about how excited, excited Chargers fans should be? Yeah, I think it I would be very excited. I think it's going to be it's going to be similar but not the same uh and and not in a not in a poor sense. I think what you've got with with Minter is somebody who has a track record. You could actually argue that he did a better job at Michigan in the two years that he had than than uh McDonald. Uh and McDonald had, you know, some high caliber talent in in 21. Minter has really kind of grown that uh over the past 2 years. Uh, it's eerily how it's eerie how similar they are, and I know we're going to talk about that. Uh, but I, to me, I'm excited. It makes sense. What he runs defensively is going to translate. He saw a lot of NFL looks in the Big Ten, primarily with multiple tight ends. Uh, kind of a power run game is a little bit different. Uh, so he's he's kind of proven that he can do this, and so I I would be excited for sure that 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 he's coming along with Harbaugh. Yeah, the more I, I watch of Minter, the more I appreciate because. When we have to watch draft prospects, we get to 10 of them, and they're from Georgia and Alabama. <laughs> and they're, they're really good five-star recruits, and they're the best players, and they're coached well, and the defense is really good. Michigan doesn't necessarily have that. I think none of their guys are projected to go in the first round this year. None of their guys are former five-star recruits. Like It's impressive what Minter is able to do with guys that are, quote-unquote, like not as talented as some of these other teams. 
with this change for the Chargers comes an obvious defensive change, a defensive play caller and defensive scheme and whatnot. What are the differences between Brandon Staley, the Vic Fangio scheme, and what Minter's going to bring here? Yeah, so they're both uh, – we'll start with the similarities just so we're on the same page, but they both start with a 3-4 playbook, so that's going to be the base defense, uh, but that does not mean they're going to live in that. I think you guys noticed that with Staley. Uh, there was a bunch of different ways that they could get into things. Uh, they're going to start with that. Uh, they are going to run your cover threes. They're going to run your quarter-quarter uh, half stuff, They're basically running quarters to one side, cover two to the other. They That's something that they share in common. Um, I think what you're going to see that's different uh, is that Minter does not mind blitzing. There's going to be a, a probably a more robust blitzing uh, playbook uh, per se. You know, the thing with Staley is he wanted to play a lot of match coverage. Uh, he had, you know, especially with the, with the clientele, you know, that he's got the, on the roster that he's got. He's got two great edge rushers. Uh, you've got some guys in the secondary that can match up man to man. I think Minter's going to kind of play a little bit more zone. They're not going to play a lot of cover one. Uh, you're not going to get the, the cover three stuff is going to be different too. And and that's the thing I don't, to the naked eye, it all kind of looks the same. Uh, but if you really dig into it, the kind of the matchup, the match part of it, how sticky guys are as people are going vertical, I think that's going to be a little bit different. I think it's a little bit more zone heavy. Uh, it's not going to be as match heavy as kind of Staley liked it. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a super key thing to point out there. And then one of the things I'm really curious about, you mentioned kind of it looking similar to Mike McDonald's defense, but there was like a real key difference in the amount of simulated pressures that Jesse Minter ran versus what Mike McDonald ran at Michigan, at least. Um, Minter ran, this is got this table from uh, Gavino Borquez from Chargers Wire, good friend of the show. Um, Jesse Minter ran simulated pressures at 36.4% this past season, while Mike McDonald was at 25.4% uh, in 2021. Why do you think that is that Minter, like, obviously they come from the same tree, but that's a pretty big difference in terms of simulated pressure. Why do you think that is kind of the direction that Minter went as opposed to what Mike McDonald was doing previously? Uh, that the the simulated pressure stuff really comes down to uh, who you have at your edges. Um, mm. you, for instance, you're not going to drop Bosa into coverage uh, or Mac into coverage yeah. a lot, right? Uh, and with the Ravens, you just don't have you know with their edges, uh, they just weren't going to drop those guys a lot. So you, what you end up getting is a lot more five man pressures, uh, which are fine. You're creating one on ones up front. Um, but I think playing the way that you play behind it, having not necessarily playing fire zones behind it, not having to play cover one behind it that you saw like Wink Martindale, who was but prior to McDonald, uh, who just is going to return to me. He's going to go to Michigan. So they kind of just yeah. traded. So it was like uh, Ravens guys, but now they're going back and kind of back in time, kind of the old Ravens stuff. But uh, I think that's kind of where at the college level, and especially at Michigan, their edges were, you know, you don't have Aiden Hutchinson as your edge. So, you know, you're going to you're going to have guys that are a little bit more fluid, especially in at the college level that are, are that and what he had uh, is going to be a little bit more indicative of, of playing more five man pressures at the at the Ravens. Um, not and so it will be interesting to see if that simulated pressure rate stays. I that's one of the things that I would see that's probably going to go down. I mean, he was very blitz heavy on passing downs, um, very uh, simulated pressure heavy off of that, and I think a lot of that has to do again with where they're blitzing and then kind of at that college level, the talent differential that they had. 
Cody, the to make this scheme work, and given what you know about this defense, what's the position group that the Chargers should maybe invest in coming up either in free agency or in the draft to make sure that this scheme works? And what does this Minter scheme or McDonald's team scheme kind of revolve around? Yeah, look, you have to have edge rushers. You have to have corners. That's a non-negotiable. So if we want, I mean, we could, we could sit here and say that. And then, you know, everybody's shaking their head. Well, of course, you know, Um, but I think if you really need to linebackers is is something that tied that tied the knot um, and in this defense, because it is so zone heavy, I think you got to have some sort of linebacker that can play, play some coverage. I thought we saw that with, um, with with the Ravens that they had the, you know they had both of their linebackers really excelled this year where they had kind of not uh, maybe you wouldn't expect them to um, I know that they you know their defense in particular is so well coached I think that's something that's that's unique and I know that this sounds crazy but that is something that's unique to this tree coaching at the NFL level is a little interesting uh, you don't always get the best teachers and I think that they do a good job within this system of really tying things together conceptually um, I know McDonald has talked about you know how do you get to a one-word call how do you get to these things you have to learn the long form before you can get to the short form which just tells me that they're structuring things or they're they're building things on top of each other using same as principles, which again, it goes back very similar to the Fangio system. But again, Staley and Fangio are not the same guys. I think that that's pretty important to, to kind of point that out as well. We didn't put this on the, the rundown with you, but the, the Chargers brought over a lot of assistance from Michigan. And I think like you're talking about here, the ability to tie things together while some of these coaches coming over don't have a ton of NFL experience, do you think that's maybe why they prioritize the other Michigan defensive assistants as well? Yeah, I you know don't get the don't get enamored with the shield. A lot of these guys that get these jobs because they're they're friends with the guy that coached and or that they played at this level, and so there's by kind of a de facto oh well he must know what he's talking about, and that's not necessarily the case. They may know what they're talking about, but can you be an elite teacher? Look, the more the more time that they take away from players, which is going to happen, the, the you know you know safety player safety player you know well being and all that, they're less and less in the office day to day, uh, that is really going to maximize how you interact with them when they are in the facility, when they're out of the facility, what kind of, you know, what kind of structure are you setting up for them to watch film? How are we communicating? Um, All of those things are now at a premium. And there's been a lot of guys in this league for a long time that have kind of come through that just really, they've never had to teach, right? I mean, I'm sitting at Mobile and I'm listening to, you know, different GMs talk, scouts talk, and they're like, well, some of these coaches, they just want a prepackaged player. And that just, that look, 99% of the players that come in the league are not prepackaged. Yeah. You know, the, the 1% that are, it's like, oh, okay. You know, you can see it instantly. Um, and those guys, I mean, God, there's a reason why they're one percenters, right? They, I mean, these are the guys that are going to be all pros for 10 years, right? Um, and those guys just aren't coming down the pipe every single year. So you have to maximize talent at the college level. You're recycling players every four years, three to four years. So you have to be, if you're going to stick around, you have to be an elite teacher and you have to be able to teach this at a level that they can progress. Love that. Great answer. All right, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into some of these Minter isms. Let's get into the film. What did it look like for Michigan? What did it look like for Jesse Minter? Yeah. So, uh, first off, um, 
I really think the the thing that you're going to see the biggest difference is blitz structure um, mentors heavy more blitzing right and then he will use odd front a little bit more uh, kind of he'll he'll use the odd front a little bit more than what we saw with McDonald I think though and I'm going to put a caveat here I am going to put asterisks on this I think that that had to do with again being at the college level you're not asking Mac or Bosa to also play a four eye. So you're going to get, and, and so you're not going to move those guys down. And you see a lot of shifting at the college level. The big thing now with like Georgia, Alabama, Michigan now is they kind of jump into things trying to get these guys fall, to fall start. Uh, so you, you're not going to, I don't think that that's something that he's going to translate. You're going to package those things. The game at the NFL level is a lot slower. So you're going to package those things as well. Uh, so I, I would see that you're going to have a three, four package. Right. You're going to have a maybe a nickel package that has a three down lineman. Um, and so those will be things that I think will will change a little bit. Uh, but it, I think edge pressure primarily from the nickel spot is something. And then he is a big non-traditional Tampa. So this is not your father's Tampa, too. This is not the Mike running through Brian Erlacher running through the middle of the field. We're not doing that anymore. Now we're changing it up. We're showing you cover three. So, again, he's a high cover three guy. How do you throw the curveball? You have to have an off-speed pitch, right? How do you do that? You do that by rotating into a Tampa 2 from a, from a uh, single high. I've got a clip of that that I'm going to show you guys here in a second. So um, those, those are the things. I think B-gap pressures as well. They really like the B-gap pressures. Both of them actually do kind of these linebacker pressures through the B-gap. Those showed up. Man, if you go watch uh, – if you go watch the Alabama game, I mean, they're attacking that B gap over and over and over. So that's, mm -hmm. that's one of those things that I think what are mentor isms. That's, that's what I'm, that's what you're looking at. The first one that I want to put in is that they, they run what I call targeted coverage. So targeted coverage is essentially saying that we are going to have, we are going to roll the cover two side to a receiver. So here we have uh, Harrison jr. On, on the Marvin Harrison Jr. on the bottom. And so we are going to actually roll the coverage. Typically, you would roll cover two to the nickel or away from the nickel. Uh, you can do this in different ways. So we're going to get actually the coverage to Marvin Harrison's side. And this is something that is very common within this system and something that translates. It's not as common as the Fangio system, but this is something that translates. And so this structure is what you're going to see um, again, in a, uh, NFL doesn't run as much for open, but you're going to get four down linemen. You're going to get two interior guys with both their hands in the ground in kind of what you would call a frogger stance. Those guys' jobs is to knock back their guard and then lag off of him. So you're, if you're a three technique, you're going to actually step to the guard. I know that sounds a little different because you're in a B gap. You're actually going to step to the guard and you're going to actually try. If he faces you, you're going to try and stagnate him. Whereas the, the nose is in at two most of the time, meaning he's head up on a guard. And his job is literally to go knock the guard back off the line. And then he's going to fall back. So you can see, watch the nose right here, get both his hands up on those shoulder pads. And he's trying to punch him back. Okay. And so you can see here on the three technique, he's doing the same thing to the guard. Now, once they realize it's passed, then you got to get into the pass movement. This was one of the big things for the Cowboys when they got Mozzie Smith was that he's not a great pass rusher. He's more of a run plug. So interior guys, that's what they want. They don't necessarily want a pass rush three technique. Edges are going to be up. So this should be looked just like the NFL. You're going to have edges up and they're just going to go into a pass rush 
Uh, and then, you know, a lot of times they'll have freedom. Like here, he gets stuck. He sees the eyes of the quarterback. So he's going to work back into the vision, back into the running back. So in terms of coverage, we're going to have quarters up here. So we're going to try and build a box. I know it doesn't necessarily look like a box because that's because the running back doesn't push. But we have a kit. We have a, our nickel is going to work to the flat. You can see this. And then both our corner and our safety are going to cap or top both of these receivers. So why are we rolling to Marvin Harrison Jr.? This is, a, this is how you can steal a double team without having to play cover one with your safety robbing the other guy. So this is a way of getting a bracket on a guy without actually playing man coverage. So we can still play our zone coverage. Notice how we have a wall two player. He's going to carry that and then he'll, he'll work it back. Notice how if it were to be a fade route, we would have ended up with our safety and our corner both would have been underneath. So this is one of the things that I wanted to put on here is that they love to run that quarter, quarter, half, and they can move it to different ways. So the next one is a nickel pressure. And off of this is now we're going to get our non-traditional Tampa 2. So we're going to get a nickel off the edge. We're going to get a defensive end drop. We're going to get a corner working to what we call a big half. Okay. Our middle of the field closed safety, our post safety is then going to slingshot and he is going to take the big half on the, the passing strength side. So as we lose the nickel, you can see on the back side, we get a flat defender. We get a wall two defender or a, a vertical hook, seam hook, however you want to do it. But you can see that we have built a triangle on this side of the field. And we have built a triangle on this side of the field. And then our mic is actually going to work through the middle of the field. But he's not he's not challenged because we get both the tight end and the running box the running back blocking. So he doesn't necessarily have to just run through the middle of the field because we're still going to carry the vertical here. But this is a typical way of we're going to run a lot of cover three right off of this. So we're going to send him here. Safety's going to nail down right here. This is a little bit of an indicator. You probably don't want to necessarily give this, give this away. You have the linebacker really far off and then the nickel walks down. Someone's got to clear that void. Um, but this is probably the best shot that I got of it. Uh, they ran this a ton against Ohio State the past couple of years, and they they killed Ohio State off of it because they would pair it with man coverage. So the Ohio State thought that they were playing man. So you run man routes, and then you end up getting uh, you end up getting zone, and it ends up killing the route. So that's another thing too that this this group of coaches does really well is like really trick you into thinking that, okay, you're in man situations. Now we're in zone. So you can see here, we're running a tradition. We're running a non-traditional Tampa or an NTT off of an edge pressure. So we're still getting four, four rushers. Now the only big, the only thing here is 99 forgets which side he needs to go to. Uh, otherwise, otherwise it would have hit the quarterback in the mouth. Now, the last thing is I, I stated is these B gap pressures, and we're going to watch another one with the Ravens, and I'm going to I'm going to show you how that you get the same blitz pattern with the Ravens as you did with Michigan here in a second. But this is a good one versus the run. So this is just essentially what is I call zone zone load, uh, where the tight end is going to stay. So instead of having him work across, they just set him here on the edge. In this system, too, this is a really good look at the defensive line play and what they're going to look at. So you're getting a blitz through the B-gap. 
We have an edge edge defender. He's going to set the edge. He's going to work through the B gap. He's going to now step to the center in what you would call a pointer technique because he's going to step to the pointer. He's going to step to the pointer center. And you can see here he's going to then try and if he gets face, he's going to cross face. And so these little movements in the run game can be killer. Um, at the college level, you get some stuff like this. At the NFL level, you have better centers. It'll end up it'll end up essentially creating a one-on-one and funneling that back into the A-gap or it has to pop all the way across. So you can see here that they're punching through that B-gap and we get our interior defensive lineman on a nice little stunt. Because think about it this way, you're constantly pushing vertical with your nose all the time. So the center kind of has this idea that he has to get really shallow in his in his drop or in his step to get to the zone because we're getting a knockback here by the guard. And then all of a sudden, boom, we cross face. Now we've used a quick little J step side and then we get vertical. That center, now look at how flat he steps. You can see here how flat he steps and all of a sudden now we're on the other side. And then we get a nice little stunt here to the outside. And essentially 25 is just reading the back. And so this is a nice little look at a B gap pressure. So how can we translate this now from what we see with Baltimore? Uh, here we have our quarter, quarter half. So this is a good this is a good look at where we're going to actually get the cover two side to cup and we're going to get the uh, quarter side to the tight end. So you you don't have to again. This is technically your passing strength because you have the two receiver side. They can also run this out of base. So I wanted to use this because now we have a three four base. So this is our base defense, and so this is like day one install. As you go as you go vertical, you can see that here we are going to get our cover two spacing over here. So we have our, our wall two defender, we have our flat, and we have our cap safety. So he's high, but then you can see over here, we're building our box. You can actually see the box. And the way, if you want to know this, I'll give you, I'll give this to you. If you want to know how you can tell like a soft cover two versus quarters is you can watch the corner. If the corner tries to stay on top the entire time, then that's probably an indication that that is going to be quarters. You can also see the different levels of the safety. You have a down safety and a high safety. The down safety is typically playing quarters. An easy way to think of quarters is basically man with rules. Um, and in here, the corner is taking all of anything deep and anything out, right? And then our safety is taking anything vertical off of this, and the linebackers are just working in tandem uh, together. So if the running back were to push, they just got the mic always works with three. So you can see here we get a wall two, right? And we get our corner underneath. You can see that he's in soft cover two, and then we also have our safety on top. And so really right now, when Stafford wants to throw the ball, you have pretty much everybody covered now he's got to get a conversion route or he's got to try and hit this receiver in stride uh, as the pockets collapsing around him and we end up getting a nice play off of that so here we do have a shot of the chargers and we're going to get Uh our nickel pressure in fact they (laughs) ran (laughs) they ran the most nickel pressures against the chargers so i don't i don't know what that necessarily means but this is a this is a good look at their version of the nickel. So this is typically what you're going to get. You're going to get a two high shell. It's going to look like a standard down. Now they are mugging. They are mugging uh, the guy here because it is kind of a third down look. And then what they're doing is they're just he's just charging the gap. 
just kind of guessing that it's going to be run. It's not. He pops back out, and you can kind of see how everybody kind of works in. But this is typically what you're going to get from a nickel pressure off the edge. Now, Clowney kind of freelances right here and goes vertical. Uh, you can have it off of the slide. The slide's actually down here. They do have it to where in the slide, if the slide goes vertical, the DN can stay out. And then he would actually pop back inside uh, to kind of waste blockers. Um, so this just goes to show you, even in the NFL, you get uh, free, a little bit of freelance. You don't get the clean looks that you necessarily get at the college level. But here you can see that nickel pressure. Quarterback has to make a, a hurried throw and it almost gets picked off. Uh, and then in our last one, just showing a B-gap. So I wanted to show this is just a B-gap pressure and how you can stack a bunch of guys near the line of scrimmage and you can still have confusion uh, in the protection. This is five-out protection. Uh, instead of going big on big, they go half slide. They actually uh, go slide this way uh, and leave the B-gap open almost to the point where he can't believe it and, and doesn't go quickly. Um, and then they're just all they're doing is running man coverage in behind, right? And so then we go here and we get uh, the exact same pressure, except for instead of having the defensive end loop back around and trace back around, uh, they actually have uh, the the three technique here on the bottom. Is he's now going to loop around? And all that does is you've now added a layer. Uh, to your to your protection so you're picking this guard here he can't work across the center and so because you've engaged this guard it creates this nice alley right here we have a nice edge rush right here and then you tell your interior guys not to get vertical if your edge rushers are going to get vertical and so what that ends up doing is we say oh well melrose could have stepped out and leaked out here 99 is actually going to close you can actually see him, him close that and then we see the pockets just collapse on uh melrose right there and so that, that to me is all of these are really indicative of what we see from Mentor and then showing you kind of what that's going to look like when we translate it into the NFL. Going back to that first one with Marvin Harrison Jr., the way they bracketed him, was that exclusive to guys that are like those kind of number ones? Because Marvin Harrison Jr. is a different kind of receiver. Was it, did they play him exclusively like that or other number ones like that? Or is that kind of across all games that you saw from Mentor? Yeah, so you can you you either do it to the passing strength or or to the X, uh, which would be the single receiver. And really, in some of these, uh, Ohio State's so unique because of their receiver core. Um, but that guy's different, and so you you saw them track. So actually, in the second half, the the touchdown Marvin Harrison actually gets uh, in the red zone. They actually had to move him into inside, right? So you kind of mitigate that by offensively by moving him inside well that's something that's completely different he didn't I mean he can play anywhere he's that good but that's not something that you typically see day do so you're what you're doing off of this is you're saying we can play zone so we can still have our eyes on the quarterback we can still see run we can still play a lot of these other things but we're going to get the double um, off of that so yeah you would typically see this uh, against either a strong x or a one of the better receivers on a team. Gotcha. Uh, you mentioned the linebackers, and we saw a lot of them doing a lot of different responsibilities here. Um, you know, I, I remember, I think it was Drew Tranquil, you know, the first year that the Chargers had Brandon Slade, he said that that defense put a lot on the linebackers because you have to cover, you have to blitz, you have to run stuff. 
is it kind of like the same responsibility, same kind of archetype you think for the linebacker position that we could potentially be like looking at prospects or free agents? Like, do you think that they would be more looking for like specialists? Like let's get a blitzer in here. Let's get a run stopper in here. Or is it more kind of like all around linebacker types? Yeah, I think this is a total defense. I think that's kind of the difference that I, this is the thing that I really like about it is it's kind of in that, big 10 mentality of like, we're going to play total defense. We're not going to play packages kind of that uh, Iowa style of defense kind of Mm. leaks into everywhere in the big 10 of like, we're not going to have a lot of packages. We're not going to have an edge rush guy because the problem that you get with specialists is that you now are paying a guy millions of dollars to do one thing. Um, and he better be really, really good at that one thing. It's kind of like a yeah. DH in baseball. He better be able to hit. Otherwise, we're not. Why are we paying you? And then why are you not playing out on the field? So I think the linebackers in this system do a lot of stuff. They've got to know multiple coverages because I think you saw we ran cover three. We were running different types of cover two. We're running quarters. Uh, we're running man coverage. We're going to have you maybe be a rat. And we're going to have you mug the the running back and add into the blitz. We're going to have you blitz. So. I think you're you're correct in what I said at the beginning is like you really have these linebackers are the true link in the chain from the anchor points to the secondary. And so, yes, you are correct. You have to find these guys that uh, can tie the knot. Right. They can tie everything together and they are kind of total linebackers. And I really think, look, I think if you look at the ecosystems in the NFL, uh, it was a couple years ago, you were saying kind of the linebackers or the running backs of the of the defense. Um, but I really think that you see um, kind of Houston this year with their linebacking core. Uh, Ryan's is also an elite linebacker coach. But uh, mm-hmm. you look at uh, the 49ers with with their two guys that they've got. And don't think that Greenlaw getting, leaving that game in the Super Bowl did not have a huge, tremendous effect on that. Um, but you look at some of these systems that uh, the Jets are another one that sneakily have some pretty athletic linebackers that can run around. Well, these are all start kind of the top defenses. I mean, go look at even Kansas City with Tranquil in there. Bolton is another one. Uh, yep. You know, Gay is kind of serviceable. He does. He moves around. So you kind of look at these top defenses like, oh, well. They have linebackers, and that's correct. Defense has links in the chain from one level to the other, and so every level has to have somebody that can play on every standard down. Cody, last question for me here. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has been pretty effusive of his uh, praise for Derwin James and the kind of player he is, the kind of person that he is. What kind of role change might we see for Derwin James in this defense, and can Jesse Minter get him to where Mike McDonald has Kyle Hamilton? Yeah, I to me that's going to be kind of where that's to me that's the role I think is he can play back uh you can play him down in a slot you can have him be a tight end killer if you need to he can play on top of a tight end uh he can fit in the box I mean if you go and you look at kind of what he what he did last year uh and then kind of what Michigan was different because their nickel was a true a true uh corner right? He's 185 pounds. Yeah. You're trying not to keep him in the box. And so I actually went and I looked at kind of where both of them lined up to see any translation. And I do think that there is some translation. I do think that the nickel pressures are going to be there. I do think that he's going to be asked to kind of play coverage on a slot, but you know, I think with him, you're going to have somebody on top of him a lot of times if you need to, if you want to play him as the nickel like Hamilton does. And like, to me, when you have a guy like that, that can do kind of a five tool guy, 
that's where the teaching process comes in. Where do you think, why do you think Hamilton can move around and play so many different places and not necessarily uh, kind of be out of wits? I, you know, I, I said it during the kind of the playoffs. It's like Isaiah Simmons was kind of from Clemson was kind of what we all thought Kyle Hamilton would be. Um, he's a little bit bigger. You could have taught, you know, you probably could have seen probably if you really looked hard, he wasn't going to translate very good into the secondary, but how, how do you get a guy like that that's not just, oh, a, a one-trick pony? He's really just a one-trick pony. We're just going to move him around because he's an athlete, but we're only asking him to do a couple things. So I think that that's where I think Mentor uh, is going to have challenge of like, hey, how can I get this guy to move around? And then being able – I think when you have that chess piece, you're able to kind of eliminate some of the spots – they can cover up some of the spots like, hey, if we can eliminate this player, we can then move move kind of some coverage portions over here and, and vice versa. Man, ton of ton of great stuff there. I, I know my head's spinning about like draft prospects now and like, OK, this free agent could come over. And so um, you know, I'm really excited about this. I think Jesse Minter is going to do a lot of great things with the Chargers. And I think Chargers fans should be really excited about it. Uh, hopefully more excited after watching those clips and hearing Cody about it. So. Cody, this has been awesome, man. We really appreciate your time. Uh, where can Chargers fans go and find your work? Uh, hopefully after they love that great interview. Yeah, if you are interested in defense at all, go to matchquarters.com and subscribe. I, it, there's probably not any, any other resource out there that's given you gives you videos, uh, long-form content. Follow me on ma- uh, Match Quarters on most social media. Twitter, it's at the underscore coach underscore A. I'm, I'm constantly putting out stuff, defense. I'm a nerd. I like talking about this stuff, so obviously you can tell. So, yeah, if you like defense, get away from the offense. Everybody loves offense. You want to be – you want to like defense, come to matchquarters.com. There we go. Uh, definitely can confirm there. When there was the initial rumor that the Chargers were interested in hiring Jesse Minter, I went right to Cody's profile and searched Jesse Minter, and he had like six articles up there. So yes, uh, can like definitely confirm. Season. Yeah, yes. Plug there for you. Um, Cody, thanks so much for joining, man. Well, I'm sure we'll be in touch down the road and, uh, you know, hopefully charge fans go, uh, give you guys a subscription over there. Yep. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Likewise, sir. All right, Tyler. Uh, that was awesome, man. I learned a ton. Hopefully you guys listening, learned a ton. Um, did you have any big, uh, general takeaway from our discussion with, uh, Cody Alexander there? You know, it was one of those moments where it was almost like being a student again, where you pray the teacher doesn't ask you to repeat what you just said, <laughs> because I'm watching half of that going, uh-huh, yeah, sure, dude. Um, and it looked great, sounded great, and he did a really good job explaining things. But boy, that was that was a lot packed into just a few plays. I, I think the real takeaway for me, which kind of maybe is just because of the last player I watched, but watching the linebackers from Michigan, it's not mm-hmm. that you need, although the Ravens did get a you know high-quality linebacker and then drafted another linebacker in Patrick Queen, a few years ago, you don't necessarily need an elite linebacker by any means, but they are asked to do quite a bit. Yeah. And so, you know, we've had a lot of discussions as a fan base, like, okay, how much does Staley's defense prioritize linebacker? And then how much does you know the team prioritize linebacker in terms of, you know, how early they draft them or finances and cap and whatever the Chargers maybe don't need an elite guy but they're going to need some guys. So maybe it's the guys they have on their roster currently. Maybe it's guys in the draft or free agency or whatever. But that position does become a bit more of a priority, I think, having watched that, having watched Junior Colson just recently Mm -hmm. today. Yeah, I think uh, as somebody who I I love watching linebacker play, but in college football, it's really frustrating to watch because so many of these like 3-3-5 defenses are out in college football where they're asking their linebackers to do like 
two things see ball get ball take on a guard uh you know cover a deep middle part of the field like it's it's so specialized but these michigan linebackers are doing everything and junior colson i don't think he's necessarily like the best talent in this class but like mentally he's he's there like he does everything already and i think that specifically is what like jesse minter's defense is going to require is like those guys have to be able to process everything and so it's going to put a lot of of mental tax on whoever is playing the position i am curious if this maybe makes eric hendricks a, a more high priority to keep just because he is kind of that veteran presence there um there's a lot of things that can go into that position you know the chargers don't necessarily have a ton of cap resources to go sign a veteran linebacker um you know they could certainly draft junior colson and i think that would help you know mitigate the translation risk but uh it is going to be really interesting because we've there's a lot of like cornerback and edge and wide receiver and tight end and like offensive tackle but like we're not really talking a whole lot about linebacker in terms of drafting so it is going to be really interesting to see how much this defense really prioritizes that in terms of resources. Yeah, if you haven't watched Michigan's defense yet, go do it. And the more you watch it, the more you love it. And go watch Colson, go watch number 25 and see what he does. Because, and I tweeted this earlier, I had only watched two games up until that point, but I would not seen a linebacker have to do so much and cover so much ground. I mean, he will start on the outside of one tackle and then have to go defend the opposite hash against another receiver. And you can tell the defense, you know, whether it's the linebackers, edge rushers, corners, safeties, whatever, it's so taxing and so difficult for these quarterbacks to have to deal with. You can tell that, like, watch the Alabama game. There were so many times the check down option or someone in a crosser or whatever, it was there. But mm-hmm. Michigan did a great job of confusing things, confusing the protection, um, you know, sending five against five and just finding ways to get those one-on-ones and beat those one-on-ones. It was so difficult for the quarterbacks to keep up. So, yeah, it, it's a fun watch. Seriously, go watch the defense um, after having watched this episode. Yeah, 100%. Um, it definitely makes sense why the Ravens defense was like really good. And then once they added Roquan Smith, it was like, okay, this is the potentially the best defense in the league. And Roquan's, you know, one of the three best linebackers in the league. He's a freak athlete, but he can do everything from a mental standpoint as well. And so having that guy in the middle of the defense that can really just take on everything that the coaches are asking them, it's going to be curious to see how the chargers find that. Is that developing day on? Is that drafting junior Colson? Is it signing somebody? I can't imagine they really signed somebody like a high level linebacker contract like Patrick Queen just because of the resources, but um, they're definitely going to need a true like linebacker one. And um, I think that is kind of more of a, an important off season question mark than it was previously, at least for me personally. Yeah, I would agree. And I'm really curious how then the chargers go about addressing defensive tackle. Again, is it guys on their roster? Is it a free agent? Is it a draft pick? Because you look at Mozzie Smith last year, then Chris Jenkins this past year is probably going to go about in the second round of this upcoming draft. Those guys aren't necessarily pass rushers. They can, but it's more of like a second thing that they can sort of do. They're not designated rushers. Like Morgan Fox is definitely more of a pass rusher. Jenkins, Mozzie Smith, you trust them more to hold up against the run. So I'm very curious how the Chargers go about addressing that position. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Because right now they have Otito and Christopher Hinton who played at Michigan. But um, it is definitely a a position room that needs some, some depth there. And then for me... I like the excitement for Derwin James this year. Like I, I know that he did not have a super positive season last year. And I think even he would, you know, tell you about some frustrations, but the possibilities of this Jesse Minter defense, I think we're going to see him play way more in the slot this year. I think we're going to see him play in the box way more this year. And I think he's just going to be around the football more often. And I think that's 
how you maximize Derwin right now is get him closer to the line of scrimmage, let him cover tight ends, let him blitz, let him stop the run, and just let him get after it. And I'm excited to see how Jesse Minter does that, and I think that will free up you know, the possibilities of Derwin getting back to that blue chip player that we saw previously before last season. Yeah, watching Mike Sainer still for Michigan, number zero. Great player, super exciting player. Derwin James is obviously just a little bit different. I mean that respectfully to basically any defensive back you could watch. They're yeah. not Derwin James. So the idea that he could go out there, and it's one thing to send Derwin James on a blitz, have him blitz up the middle, have him blitz on the edge, whatever. Like you can do that. Of course you would do that. But it's the specific way Minter can disguise those blitzes and dial certain things up. You saw against the Chargers, it looked like they were going to rush seven and then two guys half rushed and then, oh, they came back and oh, they were playing the run. Yeah. Then they dropped back. Like, it was so confusing just to watch that one. And imagine that every single play, not that you're always sending Derwin James, but the threat is always there. You have to find him. And the idea that just occasionally I'm going to send him or it's Henley or it's Kendrick or whatever is really exciting. And oh, by the way, again, we have we have Mac, we have uh, Thule, these guys, um, tremendous edge rushers for sure. Yeah, 100%. So um, that was that was a great, like I said, I, I learned a ton. Hopefully you guys did as well. Um, hopefully you went and uh, followed Cody Alexander after watching this. Uh, really appreciate him for jumping on today. Appreciate Tyler as well as Greg Kim, our producer, for jumping on on President's Day uh, to uh, record this episode. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Uh, we do really appreciate all the support that you guys have shown throughout the show. And uh, we'll be back next week. That's going to do it for us today. As always, full time. Oh,